0: AOA is brought to you by Cinex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart.
1: Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, folks, and welcome to AOA. I'm Mike Pearson sitting in this week for Mike Adams, We've got a lot to talk about this week. There's always something going on in Washington, D.C. We'll pick Sarah Wyant's brain of AgriPulse here in just a moment. To understand what might become a pipe this week. Here in the episode, we'll hear from Baranek of DTN weather. That La Nina sure seems to be accelerating. What's that going to mean for our winter? Then it's time to talk about the cattle market. Brad Husby of of BeefBases.com is going to be with us a little later in the program what all is happening in the cattle market the fall run is on with those calves moving Brett's going to give us an update what to expect as we move into the winter months and finally we're going to talk harvest we're going all the way to the east coast Virginia farmer Ellis will join me to end the today we're going to harvest is looking in his of the world first and foremost let's look for what is happening down in Washington D.C. Sarah Wyant of AgriPulse joins us this morning and Sarah Are we going to get a budget reconciliation bill this week?
2: Well, good morning, Mike. And that is certainly the question on everyone's mind. Um, I think it's very unlikely that we're going to see some final details this week. Their next likely deadline that they're shooting for is October 31. It's also Halloween, so it's a little bit of a scary thought in itself. But um, that's the next kind of self-imposed deadline. And, you know, Congress likes to work up until really the last minute on a lot of these very contentious items. And from what we've seen, the Democrats are fighting amongst themselves in such a big way. It's not very clear that they're going to have a deal at any time soon.
1: Well, and that's certainly what it sounds like. Out in cheap seats, just listening to the reportage from D.C., Senator Manchin is really digging in his heels. Sarah, can you tell us what he's what he's really upset about in this reconciliation bill?
2: Well, I think he's uh, overall upset about the high level of spending. He doesn't think we need to put another $3.5 on top of an infrastructure bill that was bipartisan and is ready to go and could be voted on today And um, until he sees that money get out into the countryside and then look at what is actually needed on top of that Uh, before he's willing to vote for another massive stimulus package, he also is concerned about inflation. And uh, I think that's a concern out in farm country as well, Mike, as you hear people looking at the higher cost of almost everything that they're buying, whether it's from feed to crop protection chemicals, to fertilizer, to uh, any of their building supplies, gas, uh, natural gas, it's all across the board. And so, Pumping all this money into the economy is a concern for Manchin, as well as Kirsten Sinema, the senator from Arizona. And there's a group of very conservative Democrats in the House. Uh, and with a three-vote margin, uh, Speaker Pelosi can't really afford to lose them either.
1: Well, let's talk infrastructure, Bill. Sarah, you mentioned it, it might be voted on today. We heard comments, oh gosh, it's probably been a week or two ago now that Nancy Pelosi was willing to vote on that first. Do you think it's going to happen?
2: Oh, no, I said it could be, but yeah, okay. it's not likely to be. These are being hooked together in a way that makes it very problematic. As you know, there was an effort by the speaker to say, we're going to go ahead and wait until a certain date and then allow the smaller infrastructure package that's passed on a bipartisan package uh, basis to move forward. But the progressives in the Democratic Party are saying we are not going to allow a vote on that one until we're also guaranteed a vote on the $3.5 trillion. So by linking them together and blocking the passage of a, of a deal that's really done and ready to go, uh, they're making it more difficult for everyone uh, in order to get something done. So it's uh, tied together at this point.
1: It, it is so interesting to watch. You've got the conservative Democrats tying up the reconciliation bill, the progressive Democrats tying up the infrastructure bill. Sarah, you've spent a lot of time in Washington, D.C. I know you know a lot of these people face to face. Who's got the political will to hold out the longest, do you think?
2: Oh, <laughs> Well, it, you know, it's just a matter of doing the math, Mike. I mean, you have a 50-50 Senate, and so if you've got two senators, uh, Senator Manchin from West Virginia and Senator Arizona, saying that they're not going to go along with $3.5 trillion in the Senate, uh, they control all the, the power right now there. And then, uh, you know, if Speaker Pelosi is willing to get a deal put together with conservatives and progressives in her party, then she's got to bring all those uh, May votes together as well. So it's really about trying to get this math to work where it can be the power of getting something done. And I tell you what, um, the president has a lot on the line. His popularity has been sinking. He wants to have a climate package that he can brag about when he goes to Glasgow, Scotland, uh, after October 31. So uh, a lot of moving parts that are really reflective of what the Democrats can do in the majority.
1: Well, Sarah, even with the folks up on Capitol Hill tied up in this uh, kind of self-imposed gridlock they've got going on, obviously policy is still being implemented in Washington, D.C. We still have the executive agencies going into work every day or perhaps still working remotely in some cases. What are some of the things you're tracking on the administration side that growers need to be aware of today?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Secretary Vilsack has not let any grass grow under his seat. He's been holding listening sessions on school lunch. He's been working with a a lot of different folks on regulatory initiatives that need to get out the door. He's headed to the World Food Prize, where I'm sure a lot of others uh, will be in Des Moines this week talking about uh, you know productivity in the ag sector on a global basis and what we need to do to enhance that. And of course, a lot of talk about climate. Um, the one thing that you have to keep in mind is that ag groups uh, have collectively put a lot of pressure on members of Congress because they'd like to see uh, a little over 90 billion that's in the Build Back Better bill uh, enacted. And that would provide much more money for conservation and uh, trying to clear up some of these backlogs that we're seeing. So Secretary Vilsack has been very, very busy trying to enhance the work of USDA and get things moving.
1: You know, we've heard a lot about Ambassador Catherine Tai. She is the, the U.S. trade rep, and we've seen trade, come back to the forefront. Sarah, in Washington, D.C., have you heard a shift on, uh, on trade approaches from this administration, or do you think they're going to kind of continue the, the Trump approach that Catherine Tai talked about here two weeks ago?
2: Well, you know, she gave several major speeches last week, and she's been getting out and having more dialogues with the ag sector. But what she's talking about is that there will be a new approach. What we're waiting to see, Mike, is what that new approach looks like, because for now it looks a lot like the Trump approach. Uh, We haven't seen any tariffs removed. We haven't seen a real heavy push to enact new trade deals whether it be with the United Kingdom or revisiting some other things like looking at whether or not there could be a phase two with China. Now, having said that, China has been, um, you know, continues to buy U.S. foreign products and has been um, moving very rapidly on phase one. But we're still all waiting to see what phase two would look like.
1: It is a wait and see game. Almost anytime we talk about what's happening in Washington, D.C. Sarah don't we certainly appreciate right. you keeping us on track of the trends out there in deep And folks, talking weather, John. Stay with us here
0: AOA is brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. Sinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
3: These acres you've put your life into. Your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable now and for generations to come learn more about how we keep families farming at adspipe.com
4: choose the proven performance of the roundup ready extend crop system featuring high yielding extend flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of extend to max herbicide with vapor grip technology elite genetics triple herbicide tolerance flexibility that delivers results backed by 25 years of innovation that's the roundup ready extend crop system the system of choice extend to Max is a restricted use pesticide always follow stewardship practices all pesticide label directions and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state
5: they say if you listen hard enough you can hear the corn grow it's true when you're out in the field you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. When it comes to maintaining your equipment, look to FS for products you need to keep it
6: running efficiently and smoothly. If your equipment is newer and requires diesel exhaust fluid, FS and many local fast stop locations have it in convenient jugs or in bulk. If you need dispensing equipment for your shop or garage, our knowledgeable energy specialists can help with that too. FS, the people and the products to take you further. Go further with FS. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information.
4: You are not your diagnosis.
1: A medical chart is not your identity.
4: And vision loss does not
2: define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage.
4: An advocate for hope.
2: You are not alone.
3: Because we are stronger
4: together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding.
0: AOA is brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. Sinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
3: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on
1: AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome, AO Pearson, sitting in today for Mike. My- so we just had a talk about what's happening in Washington, D.C. with Sarah Wyatt. And now it's time to talk about what's happening in the country. John Barrick from DTN Weather is joining us this morning. John, it feels like fall is in there. Is that going to continue?
7: Uh, well, it depends on how you feel about fall. I mean, it's really just uh, across the eastern Corn Belt especially. We've had temperatures well above normal here. And they're going to continue for the next couple of days. So Uh, It may feel cooler than what we've been experiencing on the the beginning of October, but that's just because we're just so far ahead of uh, of schedule here in terms of temperatures. We do have a a system that will move through the country, um, really the Corn Belt here, uh, Tuesday through Thursday. We're going to have some scattered showers with that. And uh, there's going to be some pockets of moderate rainfall in there, probably more likely across the western Corn Belt than the eastern Corn Belt, maybe across Wisconsin and Michigan. But in terms of Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, we're not really seeing a whole lot in terms of, of uh, heavy precipitation potential that would delay harvest anymore. But we will see temperatures fall back down closer to where they should be this time of year, Where we're getting high temperatures in the 60s and low temperatures kind of in the upper 30s or
1: 40s. Well, I just wonder, you know, this last week we had the first substantial snowfall for our friends across the uh, the Western Great Plains, the Great Plains, I suppose I said, and uh, of course it, it warmed right back up. John, when you're looking at frost dates here across the Midwest, we're getting close to that, the bulk of the course, are delayed here this year?
7: Yeah, actually, um, we're pretty much there across the entire Corn Belt. Um, Almost all spots in the Corn Belt have an average frost date of about uh, October 15th or earlier. Uh, Some areas of Kansas, Missouri, and Illinois, I think portions of Indiana as well, Uh, kind of lasts throughout the rest of this month uh, between the 16th and 31st, but for the most part we're either right on schedule or delayed across almost the entire Corn Belt for seeing our first frost. And we're not really seeing potential for that here for the, the next week or so across the areas that haven't seen it. Um, at least uh, from, from southeastern Kansas into southern Indiana. We don't have low temperatures getting below freezing until probably the end of the month. So uh, we're either right there on schedule or, or later than normal for the first frost date. It's been fairly warm across the, the entire uh, Corn Belt here through the first portion of the month, and that continues here uh, to as, as we get towards the end of it as well.
1: Well, John, let's talk about that system that's coming through later on this week. As we talked about, you know, we did have that snow last week. Do you see any flurries that's, uh, with this system that's about to, to head? Up? Yeah, so
7: I think we, we'll we we'll get actually some snow in kind of the areas that saw it uh, last week, uh, eastern Wyoming, southern er, – western uh, South Dakota and maybe western Nebraska as well see a little bit nothing like we saw last week though where we had one to two feet in some areas uh, this will be more like just a few inches but it'll be possible and uh, it may impact some of the livestock the uh, places out there um, but for the most part those are the only spots that really have a chance of seeing any any snowfall from this
1: system. Oh farther down the line john we've heard talk about la niña it is certainly well it appears to be getting stronger is that how you talk about la niña and is that what's going on
7: yeah uh so it is and um if if you've been paying attention the uh the u.s has actually declared it a la niña state um the Climate Prediction Center, which is a division of NOAA, has uh, went out on I think on Thursday of last week and said we're in a La Niña and expecting it to strengthen here throughout the throughout the winter. Um, the Australians though haven't called it, so they had an update on their forecast on Tuesday of last week, so just two days before the Americans, and uh, they say we're close but not quite there. No, I. I I kind of tend to, to agree with the Australians, but we're, we're real close. Uh, we're, we're just kind of on the tipping edge of what you would uh, classify uh, La Nina as those temperatures in the in the Central Pacific there are pretty much borderline. They're right on the edge. And so uh, we're, we're headed that way. You can talk about it strengthening. Really, what we're meaning is temperatures getting colder than normal across the Central Pacific, and um, if you look just under the surface of, of the ocean there, uh, temperatures down there are actually much colder than normal and it all, all it's going to take is just a little bit of those uh waters rising to the surface and we'll get into a a moderate la nina state here most models are predicting that to occur um in the month of november
1: so john what's that going to mean for us here in the united states the i look at the west coast first and move us through to the corn belt as this la nina strengthens what should we be anticipating around?
7: So really what we uh, should expect is some big swings in the jet stream throughout the winter season. Uh, That's going to do a couple of things for us. Uh, One, it's going to give the West Coast here some better potential for precipitation, and they've really needed it, uh, especially across uh, the Pacific Northwest is where we typically see La Nina having a bigger impact on increased precipitation. And uh, all those wheat farmers out there that had a dismal um, year this previous year and had a poor start to the winter wheat planting season, are going to see some likely increased precipitation throughout the winter, and that's going to be beneficial for them for sure. Uh, what it means for the central U.S., though, is, is actually two different things. We'll, we'll get the, the jet stream to kind of lock into place where we'll get a nice, uh, a nice ridge of high pressure over the eastern Pacific. That'll induce a trough across the north central U.S., so we'll get a couple of cool shots throughout the course of the winter season you know last year was the la nina season and we had a big cold shot in february everybody remembers that where texas froze and up here in minnesota where i'm at where we're 30 below zero so uh, we're expecting at least one of those a couple of those events to happen throughout the winter time uh but the reverse actually happens as well where we'll get a, a ridge that ridge of high pressure over the eastern pacific moves its way and locks into place across uh this, this the central North America. And we actually saw that last year as well. If you remember the month of January didn't have a whole lot of cold, uh, coldness to it. You know, it's the coldest month of the year. So saying it's warm is kind of like, you know, saying the freezers and just a little bit colder than, than it is, but it's still frozen. So, um, but, uh, Uh, It was warmer during the month of January, and so we'll we'll kind of see that pattern happen as well. So we'll get these big swings where we have some nice warm stretches and some uh, abysmally cold stretches as well. But it doesn't really happen to uh, affect precipitation so much, uh, at least across the central and and, and western Corn Belt. Across the eastern Corn Belt, though, we do see increased precipitation chances through the wintertime. So the good uh, soil moisture that we've gotten um, going into the fall season looks like it's going to last into spring as well.
1: All right, John, you know, one of the things we always talk about each winter, it, it generates headlines on the, the national news, of course, are the polar vortexes or vortices, I suppose, that make their way south from the Canadian prairie. In a La Nina year with that jet stream being in place, do we tend to see more of those dips of ice cold frigid Arctic air coming south or do we do we find it it stays up there a little bit more?
7: Yeah so the polar vortex has gotten a, that term has gotten a lot more traction over the last say decade or so but it's it's nothing new it's it's uh, it's it basically just describes the the jet stream along uh, that that moves across the 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 north pole there around the north pole and uh, during the la nina season and that's what I was kind of talking about these big swings is uh, portions of that polar vortex will get cut off and and dip down across North America here. And like I said, we saw that a couple of times last year, especially that big event we had in uh, February of last year. And I'm expecting we're going to see a couple of those uh, this year as well. Uh, The way we forecast here at DTN, we kind of look at some years that have similar uh, conditions to this one and see how they turned out and uh, use those uh, to help us forecast. And Basically, every February or every year that we've looked at, the February of that year has had a big, giant cold event. So I'm expecting we'll have another one in February. We've also had several of them in December, too. So um, we'll have, we'll have a, a good shot here And DTN is forecasting a, a, at least a one or two shots here coming into November. Or I'm sorry, December of this year. Whether or not that gives us a white Christmas, we'll have to see. But uh, colder hmm. temperatures look like they're going to be on their way for December.
1: All right, John. Well, before we let you go, you mentioned that system coming through Tuesday through Thursday. I assume it's going to hit the western portions of our listening area Tuesday and then work its way across. After that, for the, you know, up until uh, the weekend or through the week, is there any others need to be aware of keeping an eye on?
7: Yeah, so I mean, besides the cooler temperatures that will come in uh, behind it, not so much through the weekend, next week is going to be a little interesting. There's a huge trough of low pressure that's uh, over the North Pacific, and it's going to try to send pieces of energy into the Pacific Northwest, giving them some good showers. But one of those looks like it's going to escape into the plains and into the Midwest. Uh, in about the middle of next week. Models are kind of all over the place on how they want to develop it. And we're about, you know, eight to 10 days away from that affecting us. So there's some time for that to happen. But uh, we could have a big storm system in the middle of
5: next week.
1: Right, folks, keep your eye on your weather reporting friends. It sounds like it might be an interesting winter. John Baranek from DTN Weather, thanks for joining us today on AOA. And folks, stay with us. When we return, we're going to talk cattle... Brett Crosby on Twitter at MBA Cowboy will be joining us, and we're going to break down how he sees this winter progressing.
0: AOA is brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. Sinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
3: At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game changing corn portfolios. To our expert insights housed in the illuminate digital agronomy platform everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you this is how we listen
8: peanut butter and jelly cookies and milk football in your favorite recliner some things work best in pairs Listy 3 soybeans from golden harvest are no different our exclusive enlistee 3 varieties have strong agronomics and disease tolerance for your conditions Get yours from Golden Harvest today for a pairing that performs. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks displayed or otherwise used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group Company. Enlist E3 Soybean Technology is jointly developed with Dow AgriSciences, LLC and MS Technologies, LLC. Enlist d 3 is a trademark of Dow AgriSciences, LLC. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners.
9: You're listening to AOA, I'm Kirsten Rall. Corn trade is mostly unchanged this morning after Friday's 6-9 to cent gains. Soybean and wheat futures are trading lower. Harvest reports, export activity, and outside markets should help drive price action this week. On the Board of Trade this morning, December corn trading a fraction lower at 5.25 and three quarters. The March contract down a fraction at 5.34. For soybeans, the January contract down 2 cents at 12.24 and a fraction of a cent. The March contract Down two at 1233 and a half cent. Four wheat Chicago wheat December down three and a half cent at 730 and a fraction of a cent. Kansas City wheat December down a penny at 742 and three quarters. Minneapolis spring wheat December down four at 964 and three quarters. The March contract down four and three quarters at 952 and a half cent. Live cattle and feeder cattle diverged to end the week. Feeders may have been under pressure over concerns of increasing placements. Live cattle uncovered some buying interest at the end of the week as cash cattle traded on Friday steady. This provided traders with some confidence to buy into the market. There is anticipation for potential higher cash this week due to packers being willing to pay steady to higher cash over the past few weeks on the board of trade december live cattle trading 75 cents lower at 13022 the february contract down 52 at 13470 for feeder cattle january down a dollar 5 at 16047 the march contract down a dollar 7 at 16125 lean hogs december down 60 at 7767 the february contract down 60 at 8072 In the outside markets, the Dow is down 116 points, the Nasdaq composite up 4, the S&P 500 down 4, crude oil in New York, the November contract up 99 cents at 8272 per barrel, the U.S. dollar index is trending higher. You're listening to AOA, I'm Kirsten Rall.
8: Hey Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad?
5: Your lunch will be ready in just a minute.
4: Hey honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ed Council.
0: AOA is brought to you by Senex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Information
1: America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to AOA. Mike Pearson sitting in this week for Mike Adams. We just talked about the way across the Great Plains. Time to talk about cattle. There in the Great Plains. Joining us for this segment is Brett Crosby. Brett is a Wyoming rancher. He's the founder of BeefBasis.com. Brett, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, we've got the cattle markets down here to start the week. We're seeing both live and feeder cattle on Monday a little bit weaker. Brett, we are having a tough time getting this live cattle market in the December contract to move beyond $1.30. What are you thinking here?
10: Well, we still have a lot of cattle to kill um and one thing to remember is that w- the prices even even though they're they are we are struggling to go much higher w- we are a lot higher than we have been at this time of year for uh in any time in the last five years so uh so things aren't all bad. Uh, the 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 struggle here is we still have we have optimism in the in the long term because we know numbers are going to, to decline but in the short term we still have a lot of cattle to get through uh, a a constrained pipeline and so I I expect um, I expect uh, in the short term uh, live, live cattle, the December contract to, to go down, um, it, oh, it might hit, um, around, uh, 128 or so. And then, uh, then we'll see what happens from there. We could go up to 134 and make another run higher, or we could, um, we could, uh, drop down to the low one, 120s, depending on, um, on kind of the, this this kind of depends on on the funds in the short term in the uh, longer term in the next uh, two or three months, it's going to depend on uh, it, it's just going to depend on cattle weights and the, and the show list, which I expect to be a little bit higher than than last year.
1: But last week you comment seeing some um, you know last' week they're at the tail end of the week you mentioned that trade was seeing lower volume and lower open interest in the cattle complex as a whole can you tell our listeners what that means and why you think it matters
10: yeah the the volume and open interest just just uh, uh indicates how much how much interest the the market is drawing from from both buyers and sellers uh, the, the open interest going down means that that there are fewer people interested in in being uh, in, in participating in the contract, which doesn't surprise me because uh, because commercials, meaning feedlots and 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 others who hedge, uh, have have been long going into this rally. Uh, they've been buying this rally. And the hedge funds, the managed money, has been selling this rally, and so we would expect the the commercials to uh, be taking profit, and the hedge funds getting out of their uh, out of their short or or sell positions. Um, so the the open interest going down doesn't surprise me. Um, if if there's not a lot of volume, then um, volume volume is an indicator of of how much how much interest there is in in buying and selling that day, and when we see a move uh, up that is on a low volume day, it's it, it is not as good an indicator that that that's where the market is going, going to continue as if we see a lot of a lot of volume in that day. So those are the two things that concern me and and make me pause about a rally going up
1: all right let's talk about what you expect to see we've got the cattle on feed report coming from usda this friday you know last month's cattle on feed report as you mentioned brett showed that we do have lots of cattle out there in the countryside do you anticipate that we're gonna turn that corner on this month's cattle on feed are we gonna start to see overall numbers coming down or or do we still have a little ways to go
10: you know that's an interesting question and and one i've wondered about uh we we typically see uh, the numbers that we saw last month in September, uh, meaning that it comes out in the October report. So I part of me wonders if, if cattle came off grass early because of the dry conditions. So the September cattle the, the, the cattle that are normally placed in September were placed in August, and September placements will be down. Uh, the other part of me wonders if maybe we're just going to continue to see uh, the, the a normal September placement number because we are liquidating a lot of heifers that we would have otherwise kept as replacements. I know a lot of people in the Northern Plains uh, that are who 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 just don't. They just don't have the hay. They, well, they can't afford the hay, and they don't have the grass to to keep the numbers that they've been uh, running. So that's a that's a wild card for me. We have we have the calves. It's going to depend on our uh, heifer retention, I think.
1: Yeah, and you know I've spoken with lots of friends in North Dakota, and I know you're in Wyoming. You face the same challenges. This drought, the the amount of cow and heifer liquidation was stunning on some of those operations there in western north dakota tell us what have you been hearing on hay prices in your area how much does it cost to go out there and, and get to replace that burnt top
10: the cheapest i can get hay laid into my place and remember i live in a valley where there is a lot of irrigated ground and a lot of hay the cheapest i can get it laid into my place is $285 a ton, and it goes up from there up to $300. That's alfalfa hay. Jeez. What was it last year? Running. Do you remember? Uh, it, Yeah, last year
1: was about 140 150. Wow. So we're more than double hay prices in just a 12 month span. Yes. 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 And, you know, that's certainly you, tough, as you mentioned, calf operators trying to keep cows around, but it all Puts another squeeze on the feeder, trying to buy hay in the feedlot. It's to see this uh, this cattle feeder find a break out there, Brett. And we're seeing feeder cattle down again today. Do you have a read on uh, where this feeder cattle market might be headed in the short term? In the short term,
10: we we may we may continue to go higher if if corn uh breaks uh it continues its seasonal break it's rallied the last few days but we may we may stay steady to higher in the in the november and and january contracts but i do think i do think there's a good possibility of of a, a little bit deeper correction than we've seen in the in the, in the last month and um, I'm, I am probably bearish, uh, slightly bearish in the short term for the near months, and I'm bullish uh, the spring months, uh, especially given the number of, of calves that came off early. I think we're going to be short uh, grass cattle going into into spring, and if we have a normal winter, we're going to we're going to have a lot of guys that are going to need to buy some grass cattle to to fill their pastures. So, I I, I think uh, November or, or I'm sorry January feeder cattle could could see the mid to low 150s before we're all done. Uh, that doesn't mean that we won't get a, a a rally back up to one sixty six to one seventy one uh, eventually, but but uh we could we could get a, a push down.
1: You know, it has been a tough two years in the cattle industry. I know those are certainly looking for a break. Brett, you mentioned optimistic long term fueling your optimism for long term uh moves to the upside here in cattle. And what's your timeline? for that long term time period.
10: I think next fall we'll see we'll see calf prices um, well we'll see feeder calf prices in the probably in the 170s uh, barring barring any any other kind of train wreck or uh, uh, black swan event uh, even though we managed to have a black swan event about every year. We, uh, but I, 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 based on supply, I'm, I'm thinking at least 170 to 180 for the future, for the November and January feeder cattle contracts, uh, 140s for the live cattle contracts, and, and even, even this spring, I think uh, April May calf prices, uh, the grass calf prices are going to be. Uh, in an area where they would normally be well, well, where they're profitable for anybody that doesn't have to feed $300 hay for three months.
1: Yeah, that, I mean that's the wild card. The input prices are certainly going to have an impact on profitability next year, even if prices rise. As, yeah, we've absolutely. yeah, you know we've talked about inflation the past couple months. Do you see that going to roost here in the cattle sector? We're going to see that high retail price move its way down to the rancher.
10: It 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 could, but remember the the three biggest inputs for uh, a ranch, a cattle ranch, are are feed, labor, and um, and, and well, then just everything else. But usually, it's it, I I I think I think feed prices are going to really be the the thing that the drive us.
1: Feed prices are going. Thing that Brett Cosby, founder at BeefFasis.com, Wyoming. Thanks so much for talking to us today on AOA. And folks, stick around when we return. Farmer Stephen Ellis from Virginia is going to give us an update on that Eastern
0: Corn Belt Harvest. AOA is brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. Sinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
6: she was very
2: concerned it was very unsettling for her it's important for you to talk to someone about it to bring the family in on it i felt so much better after my son told me mom i don't want you to worry or be afraid
5: i'll be there for you and we'll figure it out when something feels different it could be alzheimer's now is the time to talk visit alz.org our stories to learn more a message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
3: These acres you've put your life into. Your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate digital agronomy platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen.
8: Peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, football in your favorite recliner. Some things work best in pairs. Enlistee 3 soybeans from Golden Harvest are no different. Our exclusive Enlistee 3 varieties have strong agronomics and disease tolerance for your conditions. Get yours from Golden Harvest today for a pairing that performs. This is how we listen Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks displayed or otherwise used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group Company. Enlist E3 Soybean Technology is jointly developed with Dow AgroSciences, LLC and MS Technologies, LLC. Enlist E3 is a trademark of Dow AgroSciences, LLC. All other trademarks are the property of their respective
4: owners. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. Featuring high yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. The system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state.
5: They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.
0: AOA is brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
3: information America's farmers and ranchers need to know
1: on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams.
6: Welcome back to AOA. Mike Pearson sitting in here for Mike Adams while we talk about what all is going on in the world of agriculture. We're trying to make connections right now with Steve Ellis, a farmer out in Virginia. His harvest is underway. We're trying to get him on the line, so bear with us. In the meantime, folks, we have a lot of things going on. I want to remind all of you, if you ever miss a show, you can find us. Just go to AmericanAgNetwork.com. Every episode of Adams on Agriculture is right there. You can get caught up on the event. I know Mike is always getting fresh folks in agriculture coming through to describe what all is happening in our industry. We are going to get Stephen on the line here. In the meantime, we want to come back. I want to bring us back to a topic that uh, Sarah Wyatt mentioned at the top of the show, and that is the trade relationship of the United States with other countries. She mentioned that the Biden administration has not been too quick to change a lot of the things that the Trump administration had put in place, whether that was tariffs or taking a look at the trade agreements this country has signed with, well, nations all around the world, and we've been hearing some pushback from the Ag Administration. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack described the, uh, the response of uh, America's response, rather, to Farm to Fork, which is the program that was unveiled as kind of a new international coalition for increasing food production in a sustainable way. This is a program the UN has been putting together to try and get new faces, new voices in food production, and uh, he wasn't too thrilled with it. He's not really excited excited about the way things are going, but more importantly, he's concerned that the European Union's take on the deal might be a little sideways. Um, It was kind of an interesting approach, the chief of the European Union's Green Deal, a man by the name of Franz Timmermans, he stressed earlier this year that productivity in agriculture must no longer be the paramount concern. Uh, Tom Vilsack, of course, disagrees with that. We have strived, strived strived for a long time in American agriculture to increase productivity, and that's allowed us to put more and more goods out there for the people, which has kept food prices down. But, you know, the downside is that keeps crop prices down. We see this time in uh, and time out when we're looking at uh, the American ag markets in years when we see high prices. American farmers get out there, they start feeding their, their, uh, their crops a little extra nutrients, and we see crop surpluses balloon and prices come down. The European Union would like to take a different approach. They're looking at a system whereby they feel consumers and spend a little bit more money on their food, and this is going to return greater returns to the farmers in that sector. Uh, Secretary Vilsack really isn't a fan of this. He said uh, his plan to, uh, to promote uh, food productivity has really worked well throughout history. Um, uh, Secretary Vilsack has come out and uh, he has been talking about some of these concerns coming out of the European Union, the EU Farmers Lobby. Remember, they are far more organized in the EU than we are here. They, they do tend to, to lobby together. COPA and COGECA, which are the two lobbies there, they cited concerns about a potentially significant fall in output and they asked how many more studies on the impact of the farm-to-fork strategy are needed before a real debate starts in Brussels. I say all this because 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 one of the major concerns we have going forward, it's not a major concern, but it is a concern, and it reflects on trade in agriculture, is the lack of an agreement between the United States and Great Britain. Great Britain, of course, left the EU. Prime Minister Boris Johnson was one of the leading cheerleaders of that event. Took place here, oh, a couple years ago, well, 2016, I believe. And President Trump said, we are going to get together with Great Britain. We're going to form a a new trade agreement, a bilateral trade agreement. And while progress has been made, conversations have been had both in Washington, D.C. and in London, we have not yet seen any concrete documents signed coming out of this trade agreement. Now that Great Britain is looking at forming the same type of trade agreement with the European Union, the concerns about how do you approach agriculture? Do you approach it from a productivity standpoint, get more food out there to more people at the cheapest price possible, and then let the market dictate how much farmers are going to receive and let farmers plan their next year accordingly, or that's the American approach, or do you take the EU approach, which is let's raise less. And if we raise less food, we'll increase the costs, well, and we'll increase the returns going back to farmers. This conversation is going to heat up. And the reason it's going to heat up is because the folks looking to produce less, one of their key arguments, and Sarah Wyant mentioned that earlier in this episode, is that it requires less inputs. Fewer inputs, of course, mean fewer crude oil- based products, particularly fertilizer, to get productivity up to levels that uh, farmers would would need to get in order to have things make sense. And it means fewer goods being traveled or being trafficked, I should say, traveled around the world, which reduces uh, you know the climate burden of those crops. This is going to be a hotly contested topic as world leaders prepare to gather in Glasgow. Um, Sarah mentioned that there is a major climate change conference coming up at the very start of November. I think it starts just after uh, the U.S. celebration of Halloween. Leaders from around the world, 26 different countries have signed on to this thing, the COPA 26, and then another 134 countries have all signed interest in hearing about it. The climate change discussion is going to continue heating up, and that's one of the things that is going to pressure President Joe Biden to put, well, increasing pressure on his friends on Capitol Hill to get their budget reconciliation bill passed. It's a reminder, I think, for all of us in agriculture, even if we don't often feel like we're necessarily being heard in the world Ag policy matters, and it matters not just in the United States, but it matters globally. Not just as a way to help folks keep their bellies full and their cars moving. It matters in a lot of different regards, and AOA will continue tracking it. Join us tomorrow. We'll have more coverage of agriculture here on AOA.
0: Brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. I choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System because I know they've got my back. Their Spray Early Weed Control Guarantee helps me get the most out of early season applications. If I experience less than commercially acceptable performance, I'm eligible for up to $15 per acre on additional applications. That's a system I can
4: depend on. The Roundup Ready Extend Crop System. See program details at SprayEarlyGuarantee.com. Guarantee is subject to program restrictions. Always follow pesticide label
5: directions. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.